And now, Thriller Thursdays on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. The Casebook of Justice and Dixon Murder in the Fiesta Lounge, Part 1. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. From the moment I laid eyes on Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day, I knew that I would shoot him. It was just a question of where, when, and how many times. Perhaps that is a tad glib, I apologize for that. You may say that the only shot worth taking is center mass, and you wouldn't be wrong. It is the high percentage shot, the one least likely to afford your target a chance to take a shot of their own. Miss Dixon understands all of that, my dear ones. Really, she does. The fact is, sometimes a girl likes to watch the people she shoots writhe around and suffer a bit, rather than just drop clean dead. That's all right, isn't it? If I bat my long lashes just so, it might even be adorable. And you know it. And if anyone deserved to spend a couple of long, slow hours with a gut shot, it was Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day. Of course, a short-barreled handgun didn't always deposit its lead bouquets precisely where a girl detective directed them anyway. Even when she was and is a crack shot, and yes, I am shut up. So there was always a certain element of chance when one was being shot, even if one deserved the aforementioned gut shot as badly as did Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day. Also, not to be pedantic, but when I said where, it is possible that I meant in the geographic rather than the anatomical sense. I don't suppose that occurred to you, and to tell you the God's honest truth, even if I had meant that, it no longer mattered because I was almost certainly going to shoot Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day in the Fiesta Lounge, which is almost as painful as it sounds. Though when was still an open question. All I can say for certain is that I had not shot Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day yet, either when he had hired the jaw that walks like a man and myself to protect him at the Fiesta Lounge, or at any point in the interval since then, which meant that every passing moment brought us closer to the glorious moment when I would shoot Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day, possibly in the face, if it be not now, yet it will come. As for how many times I would shoot Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day, all I can say with any certainty is that I would listen to my heart, and that however many times it ended up being, it would not be as many as he so richly deserved. You're muttering again, Jack said, leaning across the bar to reach the drink that the bartender had not quite passed him properly, possibly because his finely honed senses told him what he might expect in the way of a tip. I'm sorry, did you speak? I growled unamused by Jack, his rented tuxedo, and every man and woman already assembled in the fiesta lounge. I did, Jack nodded, twisting around to lean against the bar and survey the oak and velvet appointing of the posh, but not particularly festive fiesta lounge. You were muttering. I was narrating, I corrected, trying not to eye Jack's cocktail enviously and almost certainly failing. What is that in your hand? It's a bunion, and I'm a little sensitive about it, thank you, he said, taking a sip. We're not drinking. 
We're protecting a loathsome human being, I said archly. I feel good about my ability to do both, he shrugged, looking even more like a shaved ape in evening dress. Besides, I'm blending in, just like you with that backless dress. Don't look at my back, I said with a shiver. Then put some clothes on it, he said, still scanning the room and the assembled hoi polloi in it. I'm blending in, I protested. So am I, Jack said, with another pull on his drink, and unlike you, I am doing it without muttering that I am going to kill Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day. I don't think I said that at all, I protested. You have talked about almost nothing else since he hired us, Jack lied outrageously, or possibly accurately. What's your problem with the guy anyway? He's one of the most repulsive, corrupt, political fixers this city has ever known, I said, and now he's cutting out the middleman and running for mayor himself. If he wins, we're all doomed. He's buried two mistresses, alleged mistresses, Jack corrected, and he was never charged or officially suspected of anything. Sabian knows he did it. He says he's close to proving it. If Sabian could prove it, he would have done it years ago, Jack shrugged. O'Day owns more cops than Sabian does, and Sabian isn't going to pay our rent. You know who is? Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day. He raised his glass. Shut up, I offered cordially. You sure you just aren't hot to trot for him, Jack sneered? For Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day, I said, trying not to retch. I don't know what is more horrifying, that thought or the fact that it was you who thought it. Do I strike you as someone who shoots men they're interested in? If you didn't, you'd never shoot anybody, Jack shrugged. Besides, I wouldn't be at all surprised to learn that you ate their heads afterwards like a praying mantis. I tried not to be pleased by this analogy and failed. Drop dead, I said with a sunny smile. There we go, Jack said with another small raise of his glass. If you were a gentleman, I said resentfully, you would offer me a drink. First of all, Jack snorted, I am not one, and do not pretend to be. Secondly, I feel no compulsion to ply you with alcohol, and I am the only man in the room who can say that for certain. And thirdly, if thirdly were needed, it is a house bar, so get it yourself. Are you suggesting that the drinks are free, I said, trying to remain calm? I notice we have migrated to the plural noun, Jack said sagely, and they are free to us, and I suspect quite costly to our prospective mayor, Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day. How do I get the attention of this bartender, I asked impatiently. Your usual method involves leaning way, way over, if that helps, Jack said, scanning the room. Oh, look, it appears to have worked again. Shut up, I said, and quickly corrected the bartender's misapprehension that I was talking to him. Moments later, there was a rye and water in my hand like a delicious, delicious prop which would certainly help me to blend in with the crowd of well-wishers I was meant to be protecting Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day from. Look at that, Jack said, indicating the main stairs into the Fiesta Lounge, from which a certain buzz was beginning to emanate. Joey Riccone just walked in. The gangster, I said surprised. No, the haberdasher, Jack said with a roll of his eyes. I asked because I am surprised, I said defensively. I thought he and O'Day had a falling out. Yeah, Jack agreed. O'Day made sure Riccone's crews got some roadworks contracts, and his boys sold the blacktop off the back of the truck instead of fixing the potholes. Sounds like business as usual for this sordid little burg, I shrugged. Yes, but they neglected to give O'Day his cut of the proceeds, Jack said with a shake of his head. Things got unpleasant. Hence the need for protection, I offered. 
If he thought the Raccone gang was after him, I'm sure he would have been a little more forthcoming with the details. There are lots of people who want Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day dead. Including Mayor Linden, I offered, because he's here too. I saw that, Jack nodded. Funny coming to the campaign launch of a guy who's after your job. He might not have had much of a choice, I said. He and O'Day have three terms worth of dirty dealings to hold over each other's head. If they aren't careful, somebody honest might come up the middle and win, Jack said, unconcerned. Heaven forfend, I agreed. Is that O'Day's first wife in the corner, he peered through the crowd? No, I corrected, that is Jessica O'Day, wife number two. Wife number one is Dorothy O'Day, she is on the landing, as far as possible from wife number two, and surprisingly close to Maureen O'Day. Wife number three, Jack almost appeared interested. Won't she be coming in with O'Day? She's been here the entire time, I shook my head, as she is the weepy-eyed blonde drinking heavily at the far end of the bar. Really? Jack seemed astonished. I assumed that was you from twenty years in the future. I snorted. If I ever learn to time travel, I will throttle you in infancy. That's tough but fair, Jack smiled. Besides, that train wreck of a third and, as far as I know, current Mrs. Day is two years younger than this girl detective, I said modestly, not fishing for compliments at all. Wow. Jack leaned back to look again at the red-eyed and tear-streaked face of Maureen O'Day. Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day is not an easy man to love. I paused and chewed my lip. Is there an insult wrapped in there somewhere? There wasn't meant to be, Jack admitted. But let's just pretend there was. Excellent, I agreed, and shut up. Jack shook his now empty glass, making the ice cubes chime and drawing the attention of the bartender. We better have a repair for when O'Day arrives, he said in a rare display of clear thinking. To blend in, I offered, pointing at my glass and Jack's with a gesture that strongly implied, same again, please. To blend in, Jack said, as if it were toast, and the two of us clinked glasses and I knocked back the last traces of drink number one so as to prevent it from making drink number two jealous. Ladies and gentlemen, a voice called, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Here we go, Jack said, turning back toward the room. Not yet, I said, reaching back heroically for our cocktails, which I secured. All right, now... Ladies and gentlemen, the voice was coming from a fat little bald man who looked like he was sweating buckets. He was fighting with the well-heeled but increasingly drunk crowd's fascination with themselves, and he wasn't winning. That's Simon Ball, Jack said in a half-whisper, O'Day's right hand. I thought O'Day fired him, I said, handing Jack his drink, for massive embezzlement. He said that, didn't he? Jack seemed amused. Maybe Ball had nowhere else to go. Why would O'Day take him back? I was getting angry, and it wasn't just the booze. This was turning into work. Jack shrugged. Maybe we'll find out, he said, as the man himself, Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day, appeared at the door and pushed his way to the front of the steps, shoving Simon Ball aside. All right, you useless drunks, hold it down a minute, he called in a booming voice that loved nothing in the world so well as its own sound. No one laughed, but they did grow quiet. You all know me, and you know why we're all here. To celebrate the next step in the evolution of our great city. The formation of responsible, progressive government after years of corruption and waste. No one directly protested this dumpster fire of hypocrisy, but several people in my direct line of sight choked on their drinks. 
I sipped delicately and suffered no such problem. O'Day pretended to have just noticed Mayor Linden. "'Why, Mr. Mayor,' he said, with a mocking tone, "'come to concede already, or have you come to volunteer for my campaign?' "'You know why I'm here, O'Day,' Linden growled, just loud enough to be heard. "'Just get on with it.' Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day beamed like a portly Irish saint, even though he was only a couple of those things. "'Very well, then. I, Michael Patrick Mulligan O'Day, proudly announce my candidacy for—' We all knew what he was going to say next, but he never did say it. Because at that moment, every light in the building snapped off in a single instant and two gunshots roared out from quite nearby. I could not have been less surprised if I had shot the bastard myself. This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the end of the week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of effus. The Mutual Audio Drama Network where we listen and imagine together.